What's up, guys? It's NFL Week 10. We're taking a look at the Week 10 slate with the Shark Lab himself, Burns, the author of Winning the Million Dollar Game, How to Destroy the DraftKings Millie Maker. Um, what's going on, Burns? How'd it go last week? Oh, I went, you know, if you had Stroud, you did pretty well this past week. Uh, you could have pretty much loaded up in that entire offense, you know, Schultz crushed. Tank Dell crushed. It was Noah Brown. It was Brown, Brown, who I was all over. Um, Schultz and Tank Dell as the combination that cried. I had a little more Collins uh yeah. than Dell personally, but I will say, yeah, that that it's funny. The optimizer that the Stroud stacks were popping more than anything last week. Yeah, like that was the thing that you had to limit on the optimizer. And crazy the week before, it was the Dak lineups that were popping and you couldn't get him out of your lineup and he absolutely smashed. So um, props to the optimizer this past week for really killing it. And I'm, I'm going to bring up a couple different things here. I want to just show what the winning Millie maker lineup was. Let's take a look here. Okay. And, and congratulations to you Who's one of the oldest time players that there is. He's been around forever. Super elite player gets, gets a millionaire, a Millie maker win. Uh, you know, throughout the DFS world now, there's who's the greatest player ever is you to Cal little recency I, bias going on there. I saw that too. Um, on whistles, go woo is arguing that he's the best and you know, yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter where they was posted. Like this is you seventh or eighth million millionaire maker winner, but he plays a lot of the four forty. 4,044. Yeah, he, he's winning a different version of the Millie Maker that you can win a little bit um, easier as it's a $4,000 entry. But so I, it's hard to count that as much. But th th listen, making enough money to play in the 4 4K entry is props. And, and yeah. uh, Utica is all over like three mans. He is one of those players that is making his full time living uh, playing DFS and he's like, and making a he's lot like of money. McLovin. Um, yeah. Those guys just load up on every contest known to man that they can enter and yeah. I've, I've heard him discuss his strategy in the three mans which is apparently like one of his favorite and they are swapping like crazy there, there really is like if you're not gonna when you hear him kind of discuss how he does it it makes you think like oh wow i hope i i don't want to play against those guys because like you know they're not just setting a lineup and forgetting it they're very busy making swaps and doing all that stuff so a lot of work um, to pull that off, but uh, let's take a look at the uh, the stack that won here. Um, CJ Stroud mm -hmm. with Dell Brown and Schultz triple stack, very achievable. CD Lamb, chalky guy last week, loved CD Lamb. Um, here you've got a a, a snowflake in Bijan Robinson. Didn't matter, didn't matter. Rashad White, the bring back, and 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 J Jacobs in Cleveland. This was what's crazy about this lineup is you know effectively these were a lot of the players that we were super high on uh, last week. Of course, uh, Jacobs. And and uh, Lamb were were some of my top plays, and Noah Brown, and then just the difference here was the triple the triple stack. So where everybody else was getting Stroud with one or two, here it took it the extra level with three, and the bring back with Rashad White, and it was the that game was the return of the heavy game stack. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of games like that in recent years. It just doesn't happen as often as it used to, but the heavy game stack takes it down. I love it. Um, and of course pick the easy choice on defense, but the hard one to pull the trigger on in terms of Cleveland being as expensive as they were. And that really, really helped this lineup. Um, yeah. And this week you might see a lot more game stacks where people are trying to re reinvent, you know, they're trying to re emulate what happened. Yeah, it worked last week. It could, it might fail this week. You know, it, it DFS, it's a game about this date and time. It's not about what happened in the past about what happens now and so this week is now and so it's a different puzzle to solve and chasing last week's win now here's a fun little note um the millie maker with all its entries the second best score 238 um which uh was worth a hundred thousand dollars and the, the it's wild because Take a look at the Minimax. And of course, we had a couple of DFS Army um, uh, subscribers take first and third in the Minimax this week. But 248, 247, um, both of these scores were good enough for second place in the 100K in the Millimaker. But um, what's cool about this is, you know, 
that's a 50 cent entry. <laughs> so yeah, that's 50 cents into 10 K. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure what happened with our two DFS or, uh, DFS army guys, um, the mini max is so easy to max out, you know, 150 lineups cost you $75, 150 lineups in the $20 millimaker. It's like $3,000. So it, it's, you so know, much harder. if you're going to keep maxing out that millimaker, you need to understand. This is why I recommend playing in the mini max, right? Mm -hmm. What if you lose, you're going to lose 30 to 40% of your entry fees when you max out a contest. If you don't win it most of the time. Um, I, I could, I've done this too many times to go over now. I'm not going to do it right now because I'm not wasting time here, but right. just know that every time that you enter a 150 entry contest, you know how people say, Oh, you, that many entries you have to win. That is not how it works. 90, 93% of people that max out the millimaker every single week, 93% fail. And I've, I've checked this over multiple years and that 93% includes sharks like you it includes sharks like the shark lab over here. And it, mm -hmm. it includes anybody else. No one can yep. do it. The, the nice thing is if you do eventually win it, sometimes you make a little profit and you're like, hey, great, but it's very little. And it's worse than if you just would have doubled up. Like even when you make a little profit, it's super rare to even double your money. And then you have to get first place once in a while in order to make it worth doing. And if right. you never hit first, you're just you're just destroying your bankroll. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't understand when you are putting in 150 entries um into a contest like that it's very difficult um you have a lot of different moving variables um whether you have to use an optimizer you can't hand build 150 lineups i know some people who hand build them it's it's incredibly difficult to do it mentally um, yeah it's it's so incredible to do it um and most people use optimizers. I would say 99% of people that are max mass multi-entering on a weekly basis are using an optimizer. But what's what's the most tricky part about it is is actually being on the right players, uh, being on the right core. Like if you the top 20 lineups, every single one of them had Stroud as the quarterback. Um, and if you didn't have Stroud last week, you really you weren't even in the top probably a thousand of the millimaker. So um, you have to be on the right players. You have to be on the right combination of players and in pairing it all together is what wins. It's that's why we see so many guys or so many players that put like five entries in and one of them pops off for a millimaker win because they get on the, they get a core and they build five lineups with a core and that core for that week blows up and it happens more often than not. One of the, one of the strategies I always talk about for 20 max is just that I say, you know, just pick one stack or two and focus on it. Right. People try to spread their wings a little bit too much in those kind of contests where you're probably going to lose money. Anyway, you have to embrace that you're going to lose money most of the time. And once you embrace that, then you can allow your personal lean to to shine through so what what was the approach with Stroud? Stroud was on my sheet last week of course um he was one of probably five quarterbacks or six quarterbacks that i thought were in a, an acceptable spot this week right yeah. so how do you what do you do the first thing you should probably be doing if you're entering a millimaker is look whoever's the highest owned and probably wipe them off your list yeah hey you know what that's probably <clears throat> if if it's going to be 20 percent or 15 percent of the entries with this quarterback I'm probably not good enough to beat, you know, 15% of 300,000. There'll be 40,000, 40, 45,000 lineups built around this quarterback. I don't know that I could build one that's better than all of theirs. So focus on one and maybe focus on not the highest owned one or two quarterbacks, but rather the third or the fourth or the fifth highest owned. Cause that's where you can get your, Oh, I got a 4% guy. Okay. Now right. I'm only going up against 10,000. Okay. You know, and then and then you could differentiate another spot or two, and all of a sudden you've got a good lineup. Last week, um, listen, Stroud was going up against it, Shark Lab. This is some of the Shark Lab stuff, and we'll see a few spots like this week. Yep. This week, what do you always say? You say, pick the quarterback who's going up against the team that's allowing them a lot of points to quarterbacks this year, right? Sounds simple. It's in the book Shark Lab, available on Amazon and in booksellers nationwide yep. by the way link in the description shark lab 
um, winning the million dollar game, Secrets of the Draft Million Maker. What we're finding more and more as we get further along into the season and it's starting to portray as we as it is in the book. Um, favorites, 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 favorites. Um, forget your underdog guys now. Your underdog guys are the guys that aren't getting it done anymore. Um, forget about them. Just simply take the 10-game slate this week and wipe out all the underdogs at quarterback well, position. Well, let's talk that through. I still, if, I'm not ready to fully give up on my dogs. So I, I get it. I'm not I ready. get it. And but this is the best way. This is the most efficient way for someone if they're like, "How do I pare down my quarterback player pool?" This is your most efficient way. If you, it can be as simple as this: you have a 10 game slate this week on the main slate. Take all the underdogs and just X them out. And then from there, take all your favorites. And then what you want to do is you want to look at the favorites that are going up against defenses that produce a lot of fantasy points to the particular quarterback position. All the ones that are less than 15th in the league. So like 15, 14, 13, all the way up to first in the league at producing fantasy points to the defense, uh, to the quarterback position. All right. Those guys, <laughs> you wipe out of your player pool. So now you got five. I, I, I was hoping I was whatever gonna it's to, going to be. I was hoping uh, I was going to be five. able to, to sort this and show it on screen, but it, uh, it's got all the crap uh, in there. So it doesn't work on the DraftKings screen where you're just like opponent rank 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, those greens. Yeah, um, and those are kind of ambiguous too. They don't. There's some some things in there that aren't actually like what I would go by, but you know, it it helps if you don't have anything else to go by. Those green numbers actually help you, but that's fantasy points per game. I, I think that's an acceptable metric for quarterbacks in particular. I don't mind it for that. Um, yardage allowed is the other one on the statsational power ranking sheet where you could see, oh, these are teams that allow a lot of points. Um, there, there are so on this theme, I want we're gonna stick with it because there are a couple games where it looks like game stacky. And so I want you to then convince me why I'm going to only focus on the one side of that game. That's a very Burnsy thing mm -hmm. to do. So let's actually bring those up here, right? So let's talk about NFL week 10 and the big game of the here, I got the Dom station open. So let's look at it through here, through the through the guise of the optimizer, right? So mm -hmm. one of the big games is going to be the Titans at the Bengals. Houston. So what's uh the Texans. Titans? Yeah, the Texans at the Bengals. Thank you. Yep. And of course, we have the Bengals installed as seven point home favorites in this game. So right. CJ Stroud is coming off that big game, right? CJ Stroud is coming off the slate breaker. Everybody wants to play Stroud. He's got cheap stack options going for him. The flip side, Burrow's heating up. There are some injuries at wide receiver, but that almost is better for us because now we have some salary relief at wide receiver with Burrow. Now that um, Higgins looks like he's going to be out, that means we'll get like Boyd or or Irwin as a second stack, which is nice because now I can double stack him and it's not that expensive, even though Jace costs what he costs. So, in this game, are you saying, Kevin, just ignore Stroud, as awesome as he is, focus Burrow here, and make that your your approach this week, and you know avoid the Stroud lineups, which Stroud's great. Just go Burrow, and maybe that'll give an edge. Or are you saying, hey, can we make an exception? How do you how do you treat this one? I mean, maybe this will help um, through. The first nine weeks of the season. Um, so we've had 180 lineups to actually review and look at and determine. So that's a huge amount of information. 73% of the top 20 millimaker lineups are rostering a favored quarterback by the ending betting lines at lock. 73%. That is not a small percentage by any stretch. Um and that you know where those that uh 27% came from the prior the first four weeks. So 
That's why I said um, earlier on that favorites, favorites, favorites is because we are at a point in time now where these underdog quarterbacks, we know what they are. We know what Sam Howell is going into. You're kind of saying like some of these guys were underdogs early in the season, but they probably should have been favored. That's right. And so that that skews it a little bit in the first few weeks of the season. And now that we've sort of discovered who everybody is. That's right. It's the point where so I, I can make an argument in this game of Stroud versus Burrow that, yes, if if the game plays out, as the odds makers say, as much as Stroud is doing the scoring, Burrow will be answering and scoring more. So that's the that's the argument there that, hey, he's at home. And even that's if right. Houston takes a lead, um, the Bengals will will charge back and that will produce uh, goodness for Burrow. And I, I love Stroud. Stroud is an amazing. He's an amazing kid. Um, I got the pleasure of watching him at Ohio State for two years. Um, very great kid. Um, very dynamic player for Ohio State, and it's and, and it's portraying into the NFL now. Um, but you know, on the road, uh, here's his on the road production: Baltimore, eleven point seven; Jacksonville, twenty point six; Atlanta, fourteen point two; Carolina, twelve point nine. So. He's at 6.9K right now. None of those um, on-the-road fantasy production is going to get it done to win a tournament. He's at the point now where 20.6 at 6.9K is not going to get it done. At 5K, yeah, you're you're at a place where you could potentially get it done. Um, but at 6.9K, it's no longer that it's no longer feasible. Um, and that's why there's some guys at the 7K and above range where it's going to be tricky for them to actually make value this week. Um, let's, extremely tricky. Let's continue on this theme. I like it. I'm 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 interested in this. So some other spots. Let, let's there there are multiple criteria. We're not just looking for favored quarterbacks. We're looking for favored quarterbacks um, in spots where they're facing a defense that allows a lot of points to opposing QBs. So right. I'll, I'll pull out a couple of these other um, potential names, right? That really, really are popping right now in that metric. I can get a weird one, but first is the most obvious one, which is the Lions. They are favored at the Chargers, 40 and a half point game total. Um, Jared Goff at the helm. You know, the Chargers definitely allow plenty of points to uh, opposing uh, QBs. They're ranked 27th in our own DVP metric. Um, Goff stands out. I I'm I'm concerned about the running backs sucking up all of the scoring for the lines. But is this is this one of those spots where you say, don't even bother with Herbert. Let's just go Goff and that's it. Yeah, I mean, this is the highest. This is the highest projected game on the entire slate. 48 and a half current. Um, you know, I haven't updated my numbers with the with the current projections of the betting lines, but through what I had, it was a three spread, minus three spread with a 48 and a half point total. The highest point total on the entire slate. <clears throat> so we got what do we get? We get them at 25, uh 25.75 points for um for golf this week. Um this this spot is a perfect spot for golf and company. Um, I really like the passing situation here. Uh, the Chargers are they're not a good defense. Even I don't care what they did last week. They put it up an incredible score last week, and in the in the showdown slate, it was like uh, in the captain. You had to have them in the captain, otherwise you didn't win anything. It was for over forty points. From the defense, I don't care what they did. They're still a bad defense. Um, <laughs> That's the Jets. Listen, that, 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 yeah. we're not crediting Chargers defense for for Zach Wilson being Zach Wilson. Yeah, and so you know you got the thirty second defense against the fan against the quarterback position and average fantasy points against. That's the bottom of the barrel. You don't get any lower than that. There's thirty two teams in the NFL. Yeah. The 32nd. Goff has a 
QBR. It's a very good efficiency measure. Laporta, um, Amon Ra, so yes. so solid this year. Jamison Williams on the outside, um, uh, potentially getting better each week. Who knows? And and so the only my big concern with Goff is Montgomery and Gibbs sort of mm -hmm. being focal points and sucking away all those fantasy production points potential from from Goff. Like that is a real concern I have in that game. Yeah. It's a concern I think we all have. Um, I'm, I don't know how they're going to run Montgomery coming back off of injury. Um, how they're going to run them again? Are they just going to go playing back to the Montgomery show and forget about everyone else? Or are they going to actually, you know, Laporta and Amon-Ra? Uh, I could see them being the highlights. These guys are going to be the part of the show in golf on the road has to go to these two guys and to win this game. And, you know, do we get 48 and a half points in this game as well? You know, I could see a, definitely a 50 pointer 50 to 60 points in this game for sure. Let's look around the rest of the league. So uh, sticking with this theme of uh, favored QBs in those elite matchups, right? Um, I would, I would eliminate the Ravens there. That is not an elite matchup. That is the worst matchup for opposing uh, QBs. No point in really going there. Um, well, I'm looking at San Francisco on the road, but 24-point um, team total favored at Jacksonville. Uh, that that spot does make a little bit of sense. A little purdy, little purdy action. Yeah, purdy is in a good spot here. Um, Jacksonville is a defense that is middling at average fantasy points against the quarterback position. Uh, he's been a very efficient quarterback um, this year. He's got a 105 QBR rating. Um, right now, they're projected as the third, as the second highest on the slate for passing yards by uh, the power rankings metric from Statsational. Yeah, um, they're looking. Yeah, a lot of passing yards potential in that game. Tough to. Yeah. It's not the easiest game to. I don't think it's that hard, but it's like I never know between Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle when all three are playing. It's it's. It's rare that all three do, you know, which two to pick, so to speak. It's hard to differentiate between that trio. I'm worried about Jacksonville, though. I'm worried about Jacksonville keeping it up. Um, Chase Young is going to be a part of this game. Uh, he's going to be on the opposite side of the defensive line for uh, the, the 49ers. He's going to be the new toy in the defense. Um, him and Nick Bosa are going to be reunited um, from their Ohio State days. So I'm I'm really intrigued by how they're going to actually how this game's going to play out with them on the defensive line together for the first time in their professional careers. 49ers gearing up for that Super Bowl run with an elite defense. They are yep. in heavy in the discussion right but now. But their their secondary is porous. Yeah. Uh they've been giving up a lot of points, fantasy points to the Could that change receivers. though with the acquisition of Young? It, it may, it may potentially. Yeah. Less um, time, less time to yep. throw the foot. I mean, there are two ways to stop the pass, right? One of them is have great secondary. And the other one is get to the quarterback really quick. And the guy that may actually be the benefit or the beneficiary to this one is uh, Ingram. Um, short passing situations, yeah. him and Christian Kirk. If, if Kirk is actually in the slot this week, um, those two are, could be the beneficiaries. I could see it. Um, all right. There's a couple of the games that I, I think stand out here. I, I have three and it's like, I think there's an obvious, another obvious one here in terms of Geno Smith. Uh, mm -hmm. Obvious in the sense that, so, so obvious in the sense that the Seahawks are at home, heavy favorite, 25 and a half point team total taking on a Washington team that is bleeding points to QBs and wide receivers. Like they're a team to target QBs and wide receivers against. The issue I have with this spot is I, I haven't played Geno all year for the most or, or for the most part, Geno has been bad. Um, it's not very he's not easy to stack. Um two out of his three, I'd say DK Metcalf is perennially overpriced um in terms of his average production and his target share. They're just not that many targets relative to the 7k price. Um Lockett is really hit or miss, and and Jackson Smith and Jigba's on the way up. So he's hard to stack. Mm -hmm. And they do love to focus the run when they can. But Washington games, they do produce to the QBs and the wide receivers. So how, how is that another one that is on the Shark Lab um, yeah, you know, list this week? 
Yeah, it very much well is. Um, <clears throat> I just say, if there's any, uh, if there was ever a game where Metcalf could actually produce a signet, we're not talking about a guy that needs to produce 35, 40 points here. We're talking about a guy that just needs to get you 25 DraftKings points and maybe uh, Jackson Smith Najiba comes in with a 16 to to 20 pointer right behind him and that's your double stack or vice versa with Lockett. These are we're not looking for you know don't need to, you know I would say with all those tight ends in in uh, Seattle they almost don't need to double stack it. It's almost dangerous to to double stack like they have a lot of tight ends that they that they get get snaps and could yeah. steal touchdowns also. Yeah, but this is a game where, you know, we're not talking about a guy that's 8K where he needs 32 to 40 points to get that tournament winning value. We're talking about 25, potentially 30 with him. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with him. You know, I, I don't need him. I don't need him to produce a significant amount of fantasy points to actually put you in the money yeah. for um, a tournament win. And the game total is, is still hanging in there at 44 and a half. So it's not bad. Um, I, I want to now mention a couple of other spots, including one where I think we might flip the script here. But, you know, one of them is Titans and Tampa. And when I say flip the script, this probably doesn't stand out from a Shark Lab metrics point of view. So I don't want to I don't want to say that is like some standout game with a 39 point total. I also don't don't normally want to say the Titans because they're an underdog, but they're only a one point underdog. And the reason I mention them is because the t- t- the Bucks are allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers on the season. Yeah, so the Bucks basically are allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing uh, QBs on the season. Levis is an underdog in this game. And the, and the other side of it is the Titans also allow a lot of points. They, they stop the run, and they allow a lot of points to opposing QBs. So one-point underdog, 39-point total. Can you make an exception to the Shark Lab rules for a game like this? This is almost a pick em, right? I mean, it's basically a minus one spread. It's basically a pick yeah. It could go either way. Uh, we saw... We saw what Tampa Bay defense was all about um, last week. You can throw on them. You can, and uh, you can throw often. Uh, And they're going to shut down your. um, They're going to shut down your your run game. So, Derrick Henry in this game could basically be avoided um, altogether. And so, this is where you could see uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I don't know if Traylon Burks is going to be in this game or not, um, but that, it's basically DeAndre Hopkins is the main Chig target. Okongwo. Chig is another good play in this one. So those are your two guys, your two main guys, and then you got Akine, uh, who could potentially get a couple of targets in this one. But you know, it's it's DeAndre Hopkins and Chig as your main two guys, unless Traylon Burks is making a a comeback for the week. I don't know. Uh that's still up in the air. Let's um so so can we make an exception for Will Levis in a game again, there's a lot of things working against us. 39, the total's low. Mm-hmm. It's under 20. It, the math what is the math telling you here, Burns? Is it saying don't do it or saying YOLO silly for the Millie? Yeah, he's still an underdog in this game. Um I would love to see um uh, the total points go up in this game so that he, even if he is an underdog, he's actually above 20. That's kind of the golden number for your applied team total. Um, he's just not there yet, <clears throat> but he could be an exception here. Uh, he's projected slightly under 240 yards passing, um, but he's he's had a couple of good, he's had some good run in the last couple of games. So, you know, maybe we make an exception and, this might be the one guy, but he's pretty cheap. I mean, he's in the five K range. So. He's so he's very inexpensive. It's a it's a cheap stack. It it works very nicely. Um, but you know, yeah, it is a low total game. So there's that component. I think I think you know he he's in my Millie Maker mix. I'm just wondering, you know, how how you're going to treat it. Um, another game here that 
I'm I'm kind of like just let's say fringe interested in. I don't have a lot of interest, but I have a little bit of fringe interest, and that's um, you know, the Cardinals at home, uh, the return of Kyler Murray coming off the you know the long layoff uh, due to injury. You know, I don't really buy the fact that the Falcons are a favorite here. I'm throwing that out. I, I don't really buy that. I think that's more a reflection of the market just being like Kyler Murray's not ready or or we don't know what he's going to look like. And chances are he'll he'll look rusty. But what if he doesn't, Burns? What if he looks like vintage Justin Fields just running around? You know, he's a little rusty, so he's not as he's not as programmed to stay in the pocket anymore. Like he's running, he's doing his crazy thing. And he wins somebody a million, and no one was thinking of playing Kyler Murray, and and that's how you win the million. Yeah, this this is the game that um, I think is going to go under the radar with Kyler Murray. Um, what I like about it is that he's home. Um, he's at home. He's not on the road to start. Uh, so he's got that going for him. He's got some pretty good receivers. Um, Michael Wilson. He's got. Um, Marky Brown, and he's got Rondell Moore. And then, you know, you got a middling tight end with McBride. Um, middling? McBride is a stud. Don't, nah, he's, he's, do not disrespect <laughs> the McBreezy. He's uh, he's no uh, Andrews or Kelsey by any Treasy stretch. McBreezy, <clears throat> we got a stud in the – a young stud <laughs> on the upswing. But, you know, he had a good game two weeks ago, and then he faltered since then, but – um he's you're saying you're saying he didn't do well with clayton tune at the helm no, i don't <laughs> think anybody would do good with him but he um tony gonzalez could unretire and he would do terrible with clayton tune i think he's going to be probably the highest owned tight end on the slate this week mcbride um, yeah he's going to be Ooh, one of the okay. highest owned uh guys he's 3500 um i would say his ownership is gonna get it's gonna get up there it's gonna be 15 plus percent um by the time we lock in. Oh shit. I probably should have looked at that. Um, yeah, he's already projecting at 21. So I have not looked, and you are correct. That is uh the guy for this week. He will be the cash tight end. And the problem with problem with tight ends when they're that what when they're a low salary tight end at 3500 and they're projected to be the highest owned tight end on the entire slate. It's almost always a bad play. It's a bad play. And um yeah. And it's worth fading because he's going to be well above that. And when you come into play with Millie Maker, he'll probably be about 20. He'll be definitely 20 to 30% by then. People, it's really important to understand ownership leverage in the Millie Maker and, and how important it is to just avoid any sort of chalk. Like if 30% of these lineups are using Trey McBride, and, and that's the case, and he's just a tight end that you know has a wide range of outcomes even if he works out like you've got to beat 60,000 other mm -hmm. Trey McBride lineups to have a shot you ever notice when you're watching your scores right and you have a chalk player and you have you're very heavy on the chalk you went over on the chalk and that guy's doing well and like your amount that you're winning on DraftKings like that 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 number is not changing when they score a touchdown. That's how you know you probably have a player in your lineup that's over over owned. When your guys are scoring touchdowns and you're the amount that you're winning doesn't change, you're like, oh man. When your two percent guy scores a touchdown, you're like you have him when, when the guy that you have fifteen percent of, and the field has only two percent of scores a touchdown off a big play. The amount that you're winning just changes so much. You're like, oh, something just happened, <laughs> right? But when like we're all heavy on CD Lamb and in in the afternoon slate last week and Lamb scores, it doesn't affect anything. You're like, oh, wow, I was up 350 and now I'm up 352. Great, <laughs> you know, like it is just super. The the power of ownership leverage is very important in DFS. It's hard to stress that enough. Um, but yeah, I, so you're you're okay with Kyler Murray. Um, here it's not like a great you know falcons are a good defense or whatever i don't think it matters i think it's more of just a the guy's coming back a lot of people are going to play him kyler murray was a 7k plus player when he was healthy he's under 6k 5900 for this slate i don't yeah, think he's I mean, gonna be highly owned 
<clears throat> I just wonder what um, how the betting lines are going to fluctuate with this one. Now that there's the potentiality that he's going to be the starting quarterback, how are the betting lines going to fluctuate? You know, we no longer have a Toon guy in there, Clayton Toon. Um, so the betting lines, seeing that it's going to be a better quarterback, how are they going to? How are they going to fluctuate? So I just sorted this by ownership projection. I, I'm telling you, this is the first I'm looking at it. I have not had a chance to look at the main slate ownerships yet, and I have to tell you, Burns, I'm 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 surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm disturbed. So I already see areas where we can just comfortably fade, and I like that. So Dak Prescott. At yeah. 10% ownership <laughs> in an obvious defense and running back situation simply does not compute for me. I'm if I'm fading it. I'm full fading it, Burns. Oh, I'm right there with you. Okay, good. Thank 16 you. and a half uh, point spread on that right now at the current point in time. No, no way would I play Dak and CD Lamb in this game. No, no Lamb either. Yeah, that's right. Um, we saw last week what happens in a game where defense and w- when you play a dead giants team, this exact team, yeah. right? What happened for the Raiders? Devonte Adams disappoints. They're not even right. throwing to him by the third quarter. They're up so much. They stop throwing to him. The defense is dominating. They're just running the football and, and letting the game come to a, a, a gentle, merciful conclusion. There's no reason they're not going to be throwing in the fourth quarter. The D- Dallas defense might score 25 points in this game. Yeah, they got Tommy DeVito <laughs> rolling out under center for the Giants, and he's by no means a quality quarterback in the NFL. You know, the greatest scene from Goodfellas featured Tommy DeVito. <laughs> yes. Are you laughing at me right now, Burns? No, I just you know the I'm scene. Funny? You think I just I'm know, funny? I know you think the I'm, scene. You're laughing at me right now. <laughs> Am I here to amuse you? I'm here to amuse you. <laughs> Your answer. The, the, the movie's you, actually on. on yeah, the Joe Pesci. It's actually think? on TV tonight too. So is it? That's funny. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Love that movie. But but yeah, I mean, wait, Dak, and wait, hold on. Gino is going up to thirteen percent on. I'm fading that shit too, Burns. I don't care what the Shark Lab says. I'm not playing Gino Smith at at thirteen percent ownership. So um, I'm probably gonna have to. I'll go under. I have to go under the field on that one. I cannot accept it. So really interesting. Joey B is the number one guy. Joey B rightfully is is the correct number one guy. I understand that. It makes a lot of sense. But you can get Jared Goff at low ownership. That's right. So there are some interesting spots here. Will Levis at no ownership. Not that that's like the greatest play. But even CJ Stroud. I get it. Underdog. But if he's going to be 4% owned, I'm going to have some interest in him as well. Yeah, that that brings, you know, that brings more interest to him. Um, But what I really like about Goff versus the potential for like Burrow, um, they're kind of in the similar situations. Other than the fact that Burrow's home, imagine if Goff was home in this game, how much higher his percentage of ownership would be. Um, He'd probably be the number one guy in percentage of ownership this week if he was home. so, you know, that's a ding to them to him, but at 6400, you know, there's been winning millimaker lineups that are hovering right around that 6400 salary point for the quarterback. And I'll pull up the actual average. The average right now is 6546 for the top 20 millimaker winning lineups. There you go. So, I mean, that's about what you want to be spending. Of course, that average includes occasions where the 5,500 guy gets it right. and occasions where the 75, but um, I I'd love to see stats on how often like the eight K plus quarterbacks have been in those lines. I know it a couple times. Um, we, you know, we had Mahomes week a couple weeks ago, Mahomes and Lamar mm-hmm. um, right around eight K, but percent. it's 15% of the time. Yep. There you go. 180 lineups, 15%. Okay. So yeah, it's it's less common. Those more expensive quarterbacks are, are getting there, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, anybody that we didn't, I, I think, by the way, I'm, I'm glad you said it. I think Dak is a very easy fade. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked to see Kyler Murray up here, but there's not this isn't really up here. All of everybody beyond Dak is pretty much kind of like the same. 
like these numbers, the difference between four and 6% is just natural error with the, um, with the ownership projections much more than it is, you know, one guy better than another. So, um, Let's move on and let's. Uh, I, I think that covers the QB position for us. Let's sure. jump over and talk sure. about some running backs and see how much time we have um, to cover these different topics. So um, here you go, Joe Mixon, <laughs> highest owned on the slate. Joe Mixon. Yeah, be be careful of this one. <laughs> uh, you know, Joe Mixon hasn't produced a quality winning. Um, fantasy production other than I have to pull him up, but I think he's only really gotten to maybe one time this year where he has had a good score. I mean, he gets volume. He does everything that you want out of a running back, except it hasn't come together. He gets all most of the carries. He's on the field for 75% of the touches running back touches for his team. There's nothing about what he does that, shouldn't produce quality fantasy outcomes except for the fact that it hasn't. That's right. And <laughs> week eight, he got 20 points against San Francisco. That's his highest production of fantasy. Which is really great. Great versus San Francisco, by the way. But, yeah. you know, a 20 pointer is not going to do it at 6K, 612, 8, and 24. So, um, you know, he needs to be getting 25, 30. I think it's a fine play, but, uh, you know, the chalkiness is a little surprising. Um, Rashad white, another guy he's coming on strong last few weeks, but not in a great matchup. Tennessee's pretty good against running backs. Nice about right. White is they throw to him quite a bit, but he's definitely got more duds than stud games this season. And it's also interesting to see him as such a highly owned running back. It just probably shows how, how weird running back is on this particular slate that that can go that way. Yeah. It'll be surprising what his total ownership is at this this week coming off of that really huge game um from last game uh last week but maybe he's going to be closer to 20 percent owned versus 22 and a half percent but i can still see him as being one of the highest owned running backs on the slate that'll be right up there christian mccaffrey um so i'm just going in order of ownership projection Mm -hmm. um, Chris McCaffrey is always a good spot, even though I, I did note that Jaguars are one of the better teams against running backs. Um, not, not necessarily widely known. They're really, really good at limiting um, uh, yardage to opposing running backs, but I, I don't think that matters that much with uh, CM sizzles. He, he's a little too good for that to matter. I'm not sure that this is a uh, 36 plus pointer type of spot, but McCaffrey's putting up 25s and thirties like they're like they're free. Yeah. He's going to have to push 30 plus for us this week to get there yeah. um, for tournament winning value. Uh, we're going to see it. I mean, last week it was, we had hesitation that it was even going to get close to um, 250 points. We thought we were going to be more in the two to 220 range, but you know, that one that, game did it. Yeah. Yeah. It got all thrown out the window. It was exactly and exactly 250. But yeah, it was that one game that really, really did it. I'm I'm uh, here's another one. Travis Etienne coming in at, at 17%. Um, one of the highest owned players on the slate. You know, home, underdog, San Francisco defense. I mean, I, I like what Etienne's doing this year, but man, if there was ever a spot that you'd be a little concerned about, this is that kind of a spot. Um, he, he needs to put up 28 here yeah. to to make value. I don't know, Burns. What do you think here? Can you go to Etienne as in, in this sort of situation, again, San Francisco really good um, at stopping the run. This one's tough, and they just they made their defense better with uh, Chase Young um, up front. I just don't know about this spot for him. Um, he's not in it, you know. He's a good running back. I don't know. This is a really tough spot. Yeah, this is a weird week. Uh, um, you know, uh, here's Pollard up next, and Pollard. Pollard's kind of like Mixon in the sense that he's doing everything that should be done to score well as a running back. It just doesn't hasn't happened yet. If there was ever a game where Pollard should pop, this is it. Mm -hmm. Massive defense, Giants, a, a dead team, so to speak. When I say a dead team, the Giants, you know, they know Tony DeVito is their quarterback. They're not out there trying their best at this point. Like the fire is gone 
not not for any reason other than we don't have a chance this year. We don't have a quarterback on this team that's even mildly competent. So they're just kind of like, you know, think of the Raiders before they got rid of McDaniels when they hated the coach and they, they went out and they played, but with a little bit less fire than they would because they're like, fuck this guy. We yeah. hate. Did you I mean, hear the story of McDaniels? Did you hear what he said in the locker room? The Jay Glazer uh, story that he shared? No. McDaniels. So I can't remember the name, but basically one of the guys who's one of their coaches, oh, the guy who took over as head coach. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, who took, what's the name? Calais Campbell? Something like that, yeah. I don't remember. I'm sorry, guys. I don't remember his name. But the guy who took over, he, he's a former uh, uh, player, I think, on, I don't even know where, what, I, I lost my, my knowledge of that. But all I know is he was talking about a game the Super Bowl where they beat the Patriots and he was talking, uh, it was giant. He's a former giant. You should know this. Yep. It, it was, um, it was So he was talking about the giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And he said, our team had this confidence and he's like gassing up the team about how we knew we were going to win every game, even though nobody believed in us. And he's doing this powerful speech and he's gassing up the team and come on, we can do it. You just have to know you're going to win. And then McDaniels, after he fires up the team loudly, audibly in front of people said, don't you ever talk bad about the Patriots in front of me? I'm like, what is this guy for real? Is he joking? And the whole team was like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? That was the move. Apparently that got him fired. That was the uh, final straw. <laughs> How dare you talk bad about the Patriots in my presence? What are you nuts? Uh, oh, what a douche. Oh yeah. Sorry, I don't normally go off on my my geek stories for this particular show that we do, but he just brought up something. And plus, as a Giants fan, you would appreciate that. Oh, yeah. McDaniel will never have another yeah. head coaching job in the NFL. Nope. Unless it's the Patriots. Um, yeah. Even then, I don't think they'll go with them. Probably not. Tony Pollard. So Pollard, again, there'll never be a better spot for him all year. This is it. Heavy favorite. You got to score a touchdown, but we'll see. Um, let's see here. James Conner coming back. I don't know. Um, is that a definite? I don't know. I don't know. I, I have to look in into that it's a little deeper. A no, it's, it's not great. And, and I like, you know, Falcons have been good versus the run coming off the Q tag. I don't love that. Um, Kenny Walker, I think is fine here. Um, he's got a Q tag as well. My issue with Walker is he just 78, 6,800. He's more of a six K guy. Like he does not, it's, He's all yardage and touchdowns, and he's more of the kind of player that'll get you a 22, but maybe not not a 30. So, um, you know, I will say if he's out, this is a hell of a spot for Charbonnet. Ooh, that would be nice. If if it gets ruled out that Walker's ruled out, it's one hell of a spot for Charbonnet because he is a pass catching running back. I would love to have um a lock button salary relief running back available to me on this slate that would be so we helpful do with one right now all right well i can't wait to get to that one and obviously they're not that high up on the list he's be coming up in a couple okay i'm uh, oh i can't wait to find out all right so just continuing on three got alexander madison here no more cam acres i think madison is fine it's acceptable not a good spot but whatever i'd rather have a favored running back uh, uh, going up against a bad rush defense but yep. beggars can't be choosers i guess um, Bijan dead to me, but he's gonna have it's gonna happen for Bijan one of these weeks. It's just been difficult to ride it with him waiting and just watching Arthur Smith just not play him. Yeah, it's it's been tough. It was really tough watching it last week. I was like, man, this guy's in such a great spot, and he he failed because of the scheme. Yeah, no, it's not nothing to do with Bijan, it's just the coach didn't put him in the game. Why? Inexplicable. Inexplicable. Yep. Um, is it Kamara or Aaron Jones? It's got to be Aaron Jones. Nope. It's actually uh, Najee Harris at 4,900. Really? He's in a good spot. Um, you could even go with Jalen Warren in this one, too. I was going to say, how'd you pick Harris over Warren? They're kind of the same guy. I mean, the only thing is, is that they're like $100 apart. Um, right now, Najee Harris is projecting better. Than Jalen Warren, 
uh, other than that, it's like it's almost like splitting hairs between these two guys. Um, Najee Harris got the touchdown last time. Um, so he's starting to get more run in this offense. Um, let me pull him up. Yeah, let's pull that up because I really would. Yeah, I love the matchup. I, I actually, when I when I when I got to that game, my 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 prime thought was like, oh, this is such a good matchup. I wish I could play these running backs, but they're so you know, there's it's such a split. It's difficult, right? To pick got, one, yeah. I guess I mean, you know, he got so, four targets. Uh, sixteen he got four rushes targets. last week. He got sixteen rushes, sixty-nine yards on a touchdown. And he had four targets. Let's see what Warren got. Warren was 11 attempts. He had more yardage on the ground and he had three targets. Um, Warren did better with less than Najee Harris, but Najee Harris got the touchdown. I think Warren's um, the better player. He is the better player. Um, and Najee's got some, you know, he's got some miles on his treads uh, as an NFL quarter uh, running back, whereas Warren doesn't have those. You're looking at the power ranking sheet, which shows that this game is a plus uh, matchup for sure running is. backs. I saw the same sheet, and I I want to I want to believe, but yeah. it is hard to believe in either of these guys getting more than 15 or 16 fantasy points, even on the best of circumstances. And I think with um with these two, if you get uh because they're at 4,900 and 5K, you know. If you get that 16 to 20 points, I think that's actually enough. Um, it may be enough for you uh, because they are priced so low. Um, now, if Najee was 5,500, it would be a no-go because he's just not producing at that level. Um, but, you know, Warren is actually 2x his salary right now and fantasy points per game. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of those two guys could could make it there. Um, there, nah, she's a little higher on than I would have liked him to be. Um, I would actually like him to be in the six percent range, then he's more, he's worth it more. Uh, yeah, I was shocked to see that he's going to be 10. I, I think that's a um, a, a reflection, of, thing. It, it's just it's a, it's a reflection of what the running back position looks like this week. In my first look lineup, I didn't realize Montgomery would be back, and, and I said, Jameer Gibbs is the smash spot of the year, you mm. can lock that. And then all we have to do is figure out a second guy. But that was taken away from us. And so I'm going to ask you, as we've gone through this running back, it's tough. It's a tough one this week. I think this is where um, the week is going to be made or broken. It's going to yeah. be a running back. And you might have to get weird with um, players that haven't been productive all year, just kind of hoping that this will be the week that they turn it around, which sucks. I hate doing that. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, might have to get a little crazy with Tony Pollard or who hasn't had a good game yet. Or, um, you know, someone like Joe Mixon, who does not stand out at all as a good play. I don't think you play Gibbs or Montgomery. I think they're both priced as if the other one isn't playing. So I, I don't I don't think I can do that. Whew. Not it's, a it's, it's tough. It's a I'll, tough I'm going to throw one, one other name out, which is Aaron Jones. Yeah, AJ's. Let's see what he looks like here. I mean, last week, twenty carries, some targets. Um, they gave him the full workload. I don't. The fact that he has a consistent lifetime Q tag on him that don't make me happy. It's not something I like. It's not something I prefer to see. But um, yeah, twenty carries last week, uh, six targets, four receptions. So they're throwing to him. They are. Um, the only problem is, is that Pittsburgh's actually really good against pass catching running backs. Pass catching, fine, but they're not that good against running backs, and they allow no. plenty of yards to to runners. They do, and and it's not like I think we're pretty confident that AJ Dillon is not good. So, he's not the guy. No. Yeah, it sucks. Guy. So like, I don't know. I th this is going to be where you're made or broken this week. I, I my advice to everybody out there is pick two not three and be right about those two. That's right. Yeah. You know, another guy that probably is going to go way under own too, but he has a decent matchup. It's not, I mean, it's decent. It's not great. Is uh, Brian Robinson on the road against Seattle. It, and it's, we're at that point where with the running backs that, you know, these guys, 
it's not a great week for running backs this week. It's I actually wish, pretty gross. I, I wish my guy Ford was in a better matchup than what he's in. Because I love me some Ford. Yeah, I loved him last matchup. week. Look at by the way, I loved Ford last week, and of course, no recognition for that low-owned sweet, sweet play because it didn't translate into a big score. But um, Burns, if I if if I told you 20 carries, seven targets uh, for 5K, are you going to sign up for that? Oh, yeah. I loved that play last week. It was um, I was all about him, too. And I had so much for it. I had so much. I thought I was like owning. I was thought I was making the whole field my bitch with that play. I was like, this is so sharp. And I added a door to him and I only got like 5% of them, which I was, was at fine. full 33%. Oh. I just went all the way. I know I when I say I played him, I played him and um, 33%. I just made sure because I was like, this is my edge on the week. And of course, he did it, but he didn't do it. It's still OK, but yeah. it didn't break the slate like it could. It should have with that volume. And you know, what? I'll do it again every time you give me that volume. I'm in. Yeah, the volume with Brian Robinson and. Uh, it's just not there. Brian um, Robinson actually had a bunch of carries last week, but the week before, you know, it's like some other dude emerged and, and yeah, he's not getting 20 touch. He did get, he did get touches last week. It's just um, not sustainable. That's all. Well, yeah, it's like, what the team is doing. Not having it sustained every week. It's like, yeah, like I'll, I'll show that on screen as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you could promise me 18 carries mm -hmm. and, um and two targets, I'm, I'm in, even with this shitty score that he got, I don't care. The The volume was there. I don't hate it this week. It's just they're an underdog. They're on the road. And and it, it's not as good of a spot. It's just it's not as good of a spot. But yeah, if, if the week before he's getting 10 carries or eight carries or 10 carries and, and, and two targets. So that's a disaster, right? So it's yep. either it's either really good. And he got a touchdown last week and still only scored 12. So, you know, I don't know. It's just the. Salary point for him, fifty four hundred is really cheap. I'd almost rather go Bijan at that point and just say YOLO yeah, with right. Bijan and just like accept the Bijan um, situation. The Bears are kicking field goals nonstop in this game. Um, but he's actually, you know, I don't mind um, running backs on the road that are underdogs. So they actually produce pretty decently. Um, let's see. Let me check the time here. All right. Let's run through. I'm not going to do a whole discussion about wide receivers, but um, do you have any any flag plants here in the stud zone that you want to sort of tell me about that stand out for you? Yeah, at wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. My my flag plant. Um, if I had, wait. Let me. Can I uh, guess? Yeah, go ahead. Amon Ra. Yeah, he's my flag plant. Yeah. Um, and then second flag plant would probably be at that higher level is Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, I agree on both of those two best plays. Um, uh, Lamb fadeable, Keenan Allen, not so uh, okay, but a little little pricey for who he is. It is, but he's the only guy in show, in the in town uh, now that we have yeah. pretty much everybody out of consequence. <laughs> uh, you know, Palmer, uh, Mike Williams, but the only guy that could vulture him is Eckler. So yeah, makes sense. Um, scrolling down a little bit here um, in the middling zone any, and, you know, sub let's call it sub seven to five K uh, anybody popping off the board for you in particular. I mean, it's a big zone and I, I want to keep it really brief. Yeah. Like it's below seven K range. You know, I, I don't mind a couple of these guys in the six K range. I don't mind uh, Kirk against San Francisco. San Francisco has a pretty poor secondary um, but you know, Lawrence, he's going to get, he's going to get a lot of pressure in this game. We talked about it, chase young, um, meeting back up with Nick Bosa reuniting, um, first time in professional career of doing so. Um, don't mind Deandre Hopkins this week against a mediocre secondary of Tampa Bay. Um, there's a couple others in here. Um, you know, you got McLaurin again this week. He's going up against a porous secondary with Seattle, but they're getting better. So, you know, don't don't go overboard here. Um, you know, there's some other real decent spots, but you know, those are the highlights. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll throw a couple of names out there uh, as well. And I agree with everybody that you mentioned. I like all those guys. Um, I would throw, uh, I would throw probably Drake London in that mix as well coming back. And as long as um, it's Taylor Heineke, he does, he, he plays competent QB similar Marquise Brown with um, Kyler Murray, but probably only with Kyler Murray. But I like these WR ones that you can get in the cheaper, um, you know, in the low 5k range. Um, I think the really popular guys are going to be Tyler Boyd and, and um, now uh, Trent Irwin as your cheap pay down option with um, Higgins likely out. So the one that um, the one real low guy under 4k that's popping as I run the domination station is Josh Reynolds. Yeah, I can see 3, why. I see him popping, but I don't know if I love it. I don't love it. I just see it. Yeah. It just happens. Naturally. I understand why, but I don't love it. I think Noah Brown, you can go right back to in this zone right here. I'm going right back to Noah Brown. Mm -hmm. As long as Robert Woods is out, Noah Brown has been getting it. it, it it's not like a crazy pop. He gets four or five targets, five, right. four. Um, you know, on the bad game, he gets you. No one was expecting 30. <laughs> We weren't expecting that, but no. But he did it last year with the Cowboys. Yeah, he can he can go off. He's not a young player. He he's an older player. Um, no Brown six targets at thirty seven hundred. That's all you really need. Uh, I I more expect like this result, the eight point seven, or yeah. or that extra target, and now it's twelve point two. But that's okay for thirty seven hundred especially when you have that massive upside of he could pop off and it's a good game and we want to target this game. So that's another guy that I'm looking at. Um, you already mentioned um, Trey McBride is a popular tight end this week. Anybody else um, jumping off the page for you? Another guy's would uh, be Sam uh, Laporta. Oh yeah. Sam Laporta is probably my number one guy. Um, other guys that are popping off. Um, uh, Tom Thomas with Washington. He's another guy. Um, let me just get, let me just pull it up. Logan here. Thomas is always like, he, he, he's, he lulls you to sleep and then he has a big game. Yeah. Um, actually to tell you the truth, now that, uh, Higgins is out in the Cincinnati game, I think you can go right to Herb Smith in this game. Listen, I, I like the price point, so I'm not mm -hmm. going to argue with you too hard against Herb Smith. Um, don't love him, but like it. Chigaconquo uh as well um, yeah stands out a little bit uh you can go right back to dalton schultz as well too yeah yeah i'm on that group um what do you think of tay tay who's that Taysom hill man tay um uh, he's been putting up big numbers week after week he has and he Coming does it such uncon he does in unconventional ways um yeah i'm just not on him um you know it's just a weird matchup for them. Come back down to Earth Week for Taysom Hill. I think um, so. After, you know, the first five weeks of the season with threes and fours and twos, you know, he's giving you 20 points two weeks in a row. It's tough to chase that um, chase that chalk. Uh, I'm getting offers for Taysom Hill in my dynasty leagues. Hey, you might want to take them. Wow, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, 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 uh, I'm mulling one over right now as we speak. Um, all right. Defense. Always love talking about defenses with you, Burns. Yeah. Um, just give me your just give me your top three here. Uh, we'll go over everything, of course, uh, right. on tournament tactics as well. We'll get a little more in depth, but give me your top three defenses for the slate before um, we have to go. I think at the high end range, you got to go with Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they're the they're the de facto number one defense on the entire slate um, at forty four hundred. They're facing a Giants offense that is just in shambles right now. Um, they've gone through three. And they could go through four quarterbacks this year with DeVito could potentially get knocked out of this game. And then they bring in Barkley. Uh, it could happen. Um, after that, you know, I've been toying with how I want to attack this slate, but one defense I'm really kind of, I'm really intrigued by is the Tennessee Titans on the road. Um, right now they're projected for, an applied team total over 18, and that's kind of my marker for uh, a way underdog is an applied team total of 18 and greater. And so they're meeting that, but they also meet a lot of different metrics along the way as well.
that are popping and they're popping in my my defensive model as well so um at that middle salaried range of i think they're at 3300 um they are popping like crazy right now um and then from there um you know there's a there's a couple other defenses that are in a pretty decent spot um at their salary point which is uh it's and i'll go as low as um 2800 to uh, cincinnati Bengals. okay no one's playing them. that is crazy now i'm gonna throw one out there because i need to get my uh my two cents in here on the cheapest viable defense cardinals at home taking on a an atlanta team that has no business being favored against anybody and certainly has no business being favored on the road um and in a cardinals team that might be inspired getting their quarterback back so um, 2,500 Cardinals defense. That's your cheapest viable defense on the slate. I think if, if, if we're not going there Burns, I think the Dallas Cowboys are locked into a 15 plus point, uh, type performance, maybe a 20 plus pointer. It's worth paying off yeah. this week for Dallas. If you're, I'm going all the way down or I'm getting Dallas in there. Yeah. I just don't know if they're going to get there. Um, I know they got there in week one. I, I don't know. It's the NFL. It's, it's professional football. You're, anything you're right. can happen. And so I, I don't know if I'm going to have, obviously they're going to be in a lot of lineups. I get it. They're going to be the number, they're probably going to be one of the top five owned line uh, defenses on the slate. Um, I don't know. They're, they have a path where they don't get there to meet value of 20 plus points. It's so expensive. You really need to hit a 20 to make value against that price point, yeah. which is crazy. That's the tough part, but it is. But again, the flip side is you got Arizona twenty five hundred. Yeah, and Arizona has done it in the past. Yep. Um, they did it against Washington in Week One, um, where they I think they got sixteen or seventeen points in Week One, um, and you know that. And there's a, a nice little defense that is kind of sitting in that four K range right now, that is playing Washington this week that. The ownership is going to be a lot less than Dallas. Oh, and it's going to be unowned because of Dallas. Because of Dallas, yes. no one's going to take the Seahawks or the Ravens. That's so, right. Yeah, if you, if you wanted to get different, silly, they're going to suck in all the ownership of like this whole this whole price range. Everybody's just going to be like, let me just get to Dallas at that yep. point. That is expensive for a defense, though. Forty four hundred is not the type of defense you want to play on a week, unless you find massive value somewhere else. It is. Very restrictive to play that. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, all right, Burns, let's wrap it up here, guys. If you enjoy the content, make sure you hit that like button. Let us know in the comment section below who your favorite QB wide receiver stack is to take down the Millie Maker in NFL Week 12. If you don't have it already, um, make sure to check out Burns's book, um, uh, Winning the Million Dollar Game, Secrets of the DraftKings Millie Maker. Link is description below, or just get it on Amazon. Type in Burns Millie Maker, and it will pop up and it's a great book. It's a reference guide as well. You want to have it with you as you're building lineups. So open to the page, get all the little, see all the metrics and everything. So make sure to check that out. And um, we will uh, see you guys on top of the leaderboard.